Happy Father's Day. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the third Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service is in the bulletin. We're going to begin right now with hymn number 460, How Can I Thank You, Lord? Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
the calling of Matthew to be one of Jesus' disciples. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Tragic thing with those Pharisees is that they failed to see that they were sinners and that Jesus came to also save them. Well, on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's continue with our next hymn. That's hymn number 401, Your Works Not Mine, O Christ. Yeah. 
The grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider this third Sunday after Pentecost is our Old Testament reading from Hosea, the end of chapter 15, the beginning of chapter 6, where the Lord begins by saying, Then I will go back to my place until they admit their guilt. And they will seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. The Israelites exhorted one another, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. The Lord replies, What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I kill you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow children of our Heavenly Father, the words of our reading today could almost have been the words of the Father and the Son in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. And that parable, it is one of the more familiar father-son relationships that's referred to in the Bible and that parable. It describes how our Heavenly Father deals with us when we in faith would look to Him for forgiveness. In this parable, the parable of the prodigal son, remember the story, the younger son, he decided that he wanted to get his share of the family inheritance so that he could go out on his own. And really, he should have used that money that to, to establish himself. But instead of using that money to establish himself, he used that money to just simply have a good time, well, a wild time, sinful time. And he wasted all of his money. And as a result of that, he had nothing and, and he ended up having to get himself a job feeding pigs where he was actually ready to eat the food that those pigs, unclean animals according to Old Testament ceremonial law, he was ready to eat the food that they were ready to eat. And well, under those circumstances, what he did is he thought, oh, if I would just go back to my dad's home, my father, he maybe wouldn't accept me back as a son, but, 
but maybe he'd accept me back as a hired servant and I'd be so much better off under those circumstances. Well, he went back to his father and his father would have nothing to do with that idea of a hired servant. He took him back as his son. And now, when you think of that parable, uh, it's kind of what happens in our reading for today. He took him back as a son and, well, the picture of God and God speaking to Hosea in our reading is kind of like the father and the son. And tragically what we'd have to say is we're kind of like the prodigal son ourselves in our own lives because our sinful nature, it so often succeeds in trying to lead us astray from our God. And how often that probably does happen in our lives maybe makes us wonder, it maybe makes us wonder how God can possibly forgive us. Kind of like that prodigal son said, how could my dad forgive me? I don't expect forgiveness, I just would like to be taken care of. But now, we wonder how our God could forgive us, but to forgive us, that's just what our Heavenly Father always wants to do. The Apostle John wrote, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But now, why is it that God puts up with our sin, with our rejection, and with our rebelling, rebellion? It's because he is our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. Our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. And as we consider today how gracious and forgiving our Heavenly Father is, we shall see that, well, we can't fool our Heavenly Father, but, but we need not let that trouble us because we don't need to trouble. We don't need to fool our Heavenly Father. The prophet Hosea, he served the northern kingdom of Israel about 750 B.C. And at that time, a powerful king, Jeroboam II, he ruled over the northern kingdom of Israel and he had restored that kingdom's power and its economy. And because of that, well, things were actually looking pretty great for Israel on the surface, we could say. On the surface. Except for the fact that instead of thanking God for the success and the turnaround from the struggling that they had been doing, instead what they did is they indulged in idolatrous worship. And because the nation was strong on the surface, they thought that things were going just great, but actually because they weren't being faithful to God, things couldn't have been much worse. And under these circumstances, Hosea, he had a really tough job to show the Israelites their sin and to call them to repentance. 
to show them their sin and to call them to repentance, what God did is God had Hosea do something that seems so very strange. God directed Hosea to marry a prostitute. Hosea was faithful to her, but she wasn't faithful to him. And what Hosea did is Hosea forgave her unfaithfulness and restored her as his wife. And Hosea's actions, they're similar to the actions of our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. His actions toward Israel and toward us. When God called the Israelites to faith, when he calls us to faith, in a sense what he does is he marries us. He, we're his bride, he's the heavenly bridegroom. But the Israelites and we also are just like the prostitute that Hosea married in that we're not as faithful to God as God would want us to be, and oftentimes we are completely unfaithful. Yet our God, our Lord, keeps wanting to forgive us and take us back because he is our gracious, forgiving, heavenly Father. How often doesn't it happen in this life when we sin that we almost think as if we've gotten away with it. Oh, for example, we may be driving down the road a little bit faster than we should be, and then we realize that the speed limit was only 35 mile an hour, but we didn't get caught. Or maybe we came to that stop sign and we didn't stop completely like we're supposed to, and we didn't get caught. Or maybe words came out of our mouths that shouldn't have, or, or thoughts popped into our head that shouldn't have been there. Did God notice? Did we get away with it? If we ever think that way, that God didn't notice, we're only fooling ourselves. Our Heavenly Father knows all. We can't fool Him. God knew Israel's idolatrous ways and he also knows our sin and he knows that he needs to deal with it. He said, then I will go back to my place until they admit their guilt. In going back to his place, what God was saying here is that he was going to, in a sense, kind of hide from them so that they wouldn't enjoy the great blessings that they had been enjoying under King Jeroboam II, the economy and, and the, the strength of the nation, that that would fall apart. They would lose those blessings because God wanted them to know that they couldn't fool him neither those Israelites nor we should ever think that we can get away with with rebellion against our God. The Lord said, What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. 
Ephraim, the northern tribes, Judah, the southern tribes referring there. The Israelites as a whole, they were more like us than we would really like to admit. How often when we're experiencing trying times in our lives, do we ask God for help and tell him, if we're delivered, then what we're going to do is we're going to turn over a new, life, new leaf in our life. We'll pray more. We'll read and study our Bibles more. We'll be more faithful in worship, and we might even try to get involved in a Bible class. But then after a while, maybe, maybe we're for a moment more... Well, we've turned that new leaf, but then the leaf turns again. Our resolutions, our intentions gradually pass away. Because we can't fool God, though, because he can see us when we might be slipping away like that, he says, therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. See, what he's saying here is that when God would see us wandering away from him or slipping away from him, what he'll do is he'll proclaim his law. He'll discipline us. He'll send or allow hardships into our lives to show us that what show us what we're doing to ourselves, how we are slipping away from God. And now see his intent, it's never to really hurt or destroy, but always to get us to look to him for help and deliverance. The Lord says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. It's kind of interesting, God in the Old Testament demanded so many different sacrifices of the people. They were supposed to make those sacrifices, but actually God was more concerned about what was in the people's hearts. He wasn't after the showy deeds that they maybe thought that they could boast about, saying, well, look at all the sacrifices we've done. Well, if they made the sacrifices and there was no faith motivating those sacrifices, then the sacrifices were of no value. What he's looking for is he's looking for mercy and acknowledgement of God, actions that are motivated by our faith in Jesus. Let's remember we cannot fool our Heavenly Father because, as Scripture says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He can see always what's going on in our hearts and in our heads. We can't fool our Heavenly Father into believing that we're better or stronger than we are. But that isn't a tragedy because, as I said earlier, we don't need to fool our Heavenly Father. He said, then I will go back to my place until they admit their guilt. And they will seek my face. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. When 
God disciplines us or when we see how lost we would be without God, he wants us then to look to him in faith. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want us to try to make him believe we somehow deserve his blessings. Rather, he wants us to just simply confess our sin and our unworthiness with the confidence that our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father won't turn his back on us. In response to the Lord here saying that he is going to hide from his people, uh, Hosea, he encouraged the people to return to the Lord. He said, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. And now, notice the confidence with which Hosea speaks here. He knew that he and the Israelites didn't have to fool God into accepting them. He knew that when God allowed hardships or discipline into their lives, he allowed them not because he was rejecting or abandoning them, but because our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father wanted them in his believing family and he knew that they needed that discipline. Well, today's gospel reading, it reminds us that God our Savior wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Matthew, who was one of the 12 apostles, was a tax collector. And as a tax collector, he was one who was considered to be among the worst of the sinners in the land. But Jesus welcomed him with open arms. However, Jesus didn't welcome the Pharisees. And it's not that he didn't want them, but they were trying to fool Jesus. They wanted Jesus to see how perfect and righteous they thought they were. The Pharisees, they did have many people fooled into thinking, wow, they are so great. They surely deserve to be in heaven. But Jesus wasn't fooled. And actually, the only ones who were fooled, when you get right down to it here, were those Pharisees who fooled themselves into believing that they were good enough to get into heaven. Hosea says, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him as surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. Again, we can see Hosea here, so confident that God would be gracious, but it wasn't that he was thinking he or the Israelites were so special, but because God the Holy Spirit was at work in him so that he trusted in his Lord and Savior. 
Oh, it was a tragic mistake on July 3rd, 1988. The Navy cruiser, the USS Vincenzi's, shot down an Iranian airliner with 290 people aboard. All of the people on the airline were lost. The ship's captain, he mistakenly thought that that airliner was actually an F-14 Iranian fighter that was coming to attack them. Well, his terrible mistake, public opinion polls at the time showed that most Americans opposed paying any compensation at all to the victims' families. And the cruel treatment of American hostages in Iran was still fresh in the minds of many of those people. But President Reagan, he did approve the compensation for those families. And asked by reporters if, uh, if such a payment would send the wrong message, he replied, I don't ever find compassion to be a bad precedent. To many people, the urge for revenge is uh, so much simpler to practice. It's what our minds tell us we should do, yet compassion is our gracious, heavenly, forgiving Heavenly Father's way. A deep caring for the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the, of the whole person. A person can disagree with President Reagan's assessment of that situation then, and well, actually many people did. But we have to be so thankful that we have a gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. He loves us and He always wants us, despite the fact that it doesn't really make sense. Now it's appropriate with Father's Day today as we thank God for human fathers, especially Christian fathers. It's appropriate for us to be thinking of our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father, who is the perfect example of love and forgiveness for all fathers. And, well, as we celebrate Father's Day, we'd say may, may more fathers be like our Heavenly Father. And, well, may our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father, may His grace and love motivate us to always want to be faithful to Him, and keep on trusting in His forgiveness and love and in His help and strength to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. To fight against the sin that would be in our lives. Thank God that when we're like the prodigal son, and we will be like him, we will sin, we will reject, we will try to run away from God. Well, when we are like that, we still have a gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father who always wants us. 
He's always our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully hear our prayers. Be gracious to us in our weakness and give us strength to keep your commandments in all we think, say, and do. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And, and as we think of all of the people in our congregation on our prayer list, we, we pray, Lord God, for those who are troubled by different illnesses and aches or pains, we pray, Lord God, if it's according to your will, grant your help and strength, but, and if it's according to your will, grant recovery, but especially keep on giving your grace and your mercy and your love to all of us. Your grace and your mercy and your love, that's what we all need more than anything else and that's what we need more than anything else and it's really all that we need. Having a gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father, someone who always wants to forgive us and always wants us with Him forever, help us always to remember as we're celebrating Father's Day this week, help us always to think about you, our gracious, forgiving Heavenly Father. And, and please make more fathers in this world, more parents in this world, follow the example of your grace and your mercy and your love. And so we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship again. And in our congregation, just a couple of announcements. Today, Sunday, is Ray and Pat Bodell's anniversary. Tuesday, Leela Hall's birthday. Wednesday, Kevin and Deb Spitzley and Brian and Lisa Vanderlee's anniversaries. Thursday, Ron and Diane Kennedy's anniversary. And then Friday is Kevin Spitzley's birthday. Please do look at our prayer list and see all those people that you'll want to remember in your prayers. Again, thank you for joining me for worship today. Happy Father's Day. The Lord bless and keep you always.